Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. I hope that I give people hope. A lot of people tend to lose hope when the pharmaceuticals aren't working and the therapies and where do you go from there? I never thought that my son would be where he is today. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Welcome Gerber. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are grateful you are joining us today as we continue in our mission, crushing that stigma around cannabis and caregivers, one can of story at a time. Although today it's going to be two, Dave. Um, so I'm back. I'm back from Arizona. Congratulations on uh, returning home safely. And I know you, you haven't traveled a lot post-pandemic. But how was your trip? It was very good. I did visit a few dispensaries with my family because it's like a family activity now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was a family activity that was not possible years ago. No, so um, it was right. I've been to Arizona quite a few times. I have come to appreciate it. My tidbit of advice is do not go in the summer. That was the first time I went and I did not like it, but now I do. Well, they have a lot of outdoor restaurants as you would in a warm weather climate most of them have those misting machines, which we don't have in New England anywhere, I don't think. And at first, when I when I was first out there, I thought, what is that all about? It's like, well, you got to do something to take down the temperature a few deg- <laughs> degrees. And it really works. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. They and do, do, work do you here. know that cactus bloom in the spring? I've been there four different seasons, and this was the prettiest. The cactus were blooming. Are cactus, uh, cacti, are they, cacti. Pre- are they pretty? Yeah. They are? I mean... Okay. 
and I went to the Grand Canyon and I went to Sedona. It was oh, very wow. like I'm not really a hikey outdoorsy girl, if you know me, but right. I have come to appreciate it. <laughs> that yeah, and that's the place to do it. It is it's just there's expanse out there that we don't have out here. Anyway, so that's my plug. It had cactus, it had cannabis, it had uh, Grand Canyon. It was awesome. I totally recommend it. So that's <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my daughter's home. And uh, yeah, moving on. I'm I'm done. They uh, have graduated from college. I have finished, I think. <laughs> <laughs> For now, until they move back in. No, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> They're both doing very well. All right. Um, all right. So we have a really big show today, Dave. We've been mm-hmm. away for a couple of weeks. I have two guests. Both are authors in the second volume of Courage and Cannabis. It is a second anthology filled with the powerful stories of cannabis transforming and healing. And I know you remember this. I was featured last year in volume mm. one. Yes. It became an international number one bestselling on Amazon, people. So this one's going to be good, too. Is that right? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. Yep. We had, had a lot of support getting it out there and talking to people and sharing these stories. And now this is true. I have one of those little libraries mm-hmm. in front of my house. We, my daughter created one last year. And there's always a Encouraging Cannabis book in there for people to take if they want to read it. <laughs> That's uh, a free library, where you, free book exchange, right? Leave one, take one. That's it's great. great. It's, Spreading it's great. the gospel. I love it. Yeah. That's how words people still read. All right. So I'm really, really, really happy to support this project. And in these two volumes, when it's out, it's going to be out, I think, pretty, I think they might have their release date this summer. I just thought we could check when they come on. There are so many stories of the most interesting and influential voices building this new industry. So I'm very excited to share two of them today. Excellent. I'm excited Excellent. as well. Uh, I do have a um, Culture Corner recommendation. <laughs> Culture Corner. All right. So a few weeks ago, I was attending my uh, women in law conference at the Northeastern University School of Law, my alma mater. Mm -hmm. And we were gifted a book. I know this is audio only. I always hold stuff Mm up. I'm going to be Vanna White. It was um, gifted to us. It's a book by Supreme Court journalist Dahlia Lithwick. Mm. It is called Lady Justice, Women, the Law, and the Battle to Save America. Mm. I love it. You are a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. We talk lawyer stuff sometimes. This highlights the stories of women who stepped up when needed and made a difference. Women like Stacey Abrams and acting attorney general Sally Yates and so many others because apparently women lawyers. Oh, and the ladies who stormed the airport during the Muslim ban. I don't know if you remember that. Mm. We do stuff differently. I don't know why. There's a lot of us now. I talk a lot about how my class was more than 50 percent women, but some of us dropped out because of the whole caregiving thing. And then but we are leading the way in other ways. So I'm just kind of excited. I've been reading it on my travels. So Lady Justice by Dahlia Litwick. She sounds familiar to me. And I just quickly looked her up. And I don't know. She's a Canadian. And she's a former get regular guest on the Al Franken show. And she's a Jew. She's very entertaining. <laughs> she was speaking there actually at the conference. And I, I don't know. You know, she was getting frustrated. She says they carry, you know, you're... We cover the court, the Supreme Court, in a way that you know elevates them. We don't talk about maybe some of the things that they should have been talking about. They just talk about it like balls and strikes and that mm. there's no politics involved. And we all know that's not true anymore. And it's kind of interesting, just her perspective on like what was actually going on and how it was being covered and now kind of the stuff that's coming out. So, Yeah, she's she's exactly my age, too. I'm wondering if I've bumped into her in the past. Anyway, but she went to I, Yale. I, I didn't get into Yale. She, she's do? looked very familiar, but I always have that Jewish cannabis connection thing. I'm like, we <laughs> right. got to camp together. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering, but maybe, maybe not. Yeah. 
That's so funny. All right. So that was my book. And then let's just get on with the show. I'm excited with our guests. So today, today, today we have two power women with us who are making their mark in the cannabis world. And I am so happy to be sharing their stories with you. We have Amy Carter, who is a mom on a mission. In 2018, Amy petitioned to list autism as a qualifying condition for medical cannabis in Michigan after utilizing cannabis to help her own son. And she has become a dedicated activist for cannabis for families in similar situations. Amy hopes to make access to cannabis and use easier across our country by working to help pediatric and adolescent patients gain the same equal rights as those who use traditional prescribed medicine. Amy's dedication to helping others guided her to be a candidate for Michigan State House Representative in 2022, and she continues to use her valuable voice in the ongoing policy discussions in her community. And we have Ms. Kindness Ramirez, who is an industry veteran and master educator. She is the CEO of Club Kindness, a representative media network built to educate families, foster connections, and sustain communities for social change. And she is the founder of EBK Apothecary, an organic hemp-derived CBD line established in 2016. Ms. Kindness is fueled by over 20 years in the public education sector and a passionate desire to share inclusive health practices with her community. In addition, she is an author of a children's book, The Roots Family Very Special Garden, which I've spoken of past podcast and have my own copy. Today, we will be sharing the stories and they will be pub- in their upcoming published edition of Courage and Cannabis 2, their reasons for their passion and what they see is the future of this emergent industry. Please welcome to the Canon Mom Show, Amy Carter and Ms. Kindness B. Ramirez. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Morning. Morning. Thank All you. right, let's just start with a quick introduction. Let's have Amy go first. Just give us our names so they know your voice, where you live, and why you wanted your story to be included in Courage and Cannabis. Okay. My name is Amy Carter, and I live in Michigan in the Flint area. And I, it was really important for me to be a part of this book. And I was very, very blessed that they had asked me, Dr. Bridget asked me to be in this book because I, I want other parents to know what I now know. And it's been really hard with the stigma and everything else, but I see families that are, are suffering on a daily basis uh, with uh, not finding the correct treatments for their children. And I want them to feel comfortable looking into cannabis as an option. Amazing. All right. And Ms. Kindness. Yes, Ms. Kindness Ramirez. I I was just realizing, I think that was an old bio because I since stopped making CBD products, but that's oh, okay. <laughs> it happens. It happens every once in a while. People are like, really? What, did I send you that? Like, <laughs> All the time, yeah. <laughs> I am a teacher. I am a mother. I am an author and the CEO of Club Kindness. And I started here because of a really bad slip and fall with my second baby. So it automatically mm-hmm. made me a can of mom. And much like you said before we started, I found that I needed to find the solutions for myself. And then it became responsibility to do the same for other women. These are our leaders, people. All right. So let's start with Amy. You have a really, really powerful mom story. We don't have, I could do like a whole hour just on that. But let's just say how and when did you come to your Canada journey? When did this really begin? In addition, and maybe just sort of explain. Give a little bit more about why your reasoning, why you chose a can- coverage in cannabis as an outlet or a place to share your story, who you're trying to reach and what the impact is or has been and what you're expecting maybe 
kind of keep it. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. I will try. Okay. So I came into the industry unexpectedly in 2016. And I had kind of got pushed in a corner where I was going to be forced to terminate my rights. And you'll find out more about that in, in the book. But I got to that point and I ended up trying this kind of last resort in my mind, which was cannabis. And it works. <laughs> so, so I guess um, I, 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 I hear mothers and the, you're the cannabis moms, like you're the women who are really risking something real for doing this work to secure people or help people. So did you think it was dangerous? Did, what was your relationship? Did you think it was, uh, again, I tell me these stories are women who come out of this, mm -hmm. come to the plant medicine out of desperation, which I think is why you're sharing them is because you don't want people to go through that anymore. So maybe mm -hmm. what was your mindset coming into this about what cannabis is? Well, I, I had watched my son on pharmaceuticals since he was just three and a half years old and all the way from sleeping to everything. So he had tried out like 18 different pharmaceuticals by the time he was nine years old. And he was still, there wasn't a lot of relief from the pharmaceuticals. So my hope is that he would gain some type of relief with mm. cannabis. And in, really what it did was it improved his cognitive impairment. It, it, it healed a lot of things. It, I, I believe, I mean, because I don't really know, but it has improved connections in his brain after being on it for so long. So the, the benefits are huge compared to that of a pharmaceutical. And we had went the pharmaceutical route because that's kind of what I was what you know, conditioned to. Yeah, yeah. And once... I started this, I just seen so much improvement. I mean, just in the first two weeks with the way he processed things in his brain, I seen a huge change. Take it two years, three years down the road, and I am he's hitting milestones that we never thought that he would reach. And it is beautiful and amazing. So that I get I hear these stories a lot about how this works. Again, it's I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about the human body except what I'm learning. And I, uh, this idea that it, the story over and over again about something the way our body is using this plant medicine is able to heal things that pharmaceuticals can't. Uh, again, it's just, it's hopeful. And especially for parents who are trying to find some relief. I like the way that you use that relief. Okay. So let me let's switch over to Miss Kindness. So Amy's is a very mom-centric story. Obviously the mom healing her child. And I know you have your own specific way how you entered the industry. Do you want to share with us? Yeah, sure. Um, so in 2012, March 29th, 2012, it's a day that's burned into my brain. I was walking with my husband and our other child in a grocery store, just chilling, 26 weeks pregnant, buying all the fruit and groceries and slipped on a puddle. And so it caused a condition in my pelvis called symphysis pubis dysfunction, which essentially tells your pelvis to begin opening <laughs> like you're about to deliver. And at 26 weeks, you are not ready for that. So it also comes with a tremendous amount of excruciating pain. And anyone who has ever dealt with chronic pain understands that that typically is accompanied by depression. And so here I am, 26 weeks pregnant, growing a new life in my body and feeling like I had failed. So I, at the time we owned a juice bar. And so we were really into natural remedies already. I hung out with all of the essential oil moms and cannabis wasn't something that I looked to as medicine at that point in my life. I am a cop's daughter, black woman, strict. You can imagine the things I grew up hearing, 80s baby, all that stuff. Yep. So while I didn't really believe weed to be bad for you, I didn't think 
it did anything good either other than help people, right? Mm-hmm. So I joke about this and I say, I asked Siri, what are some natural remedies for chronic pain? And she said, weed? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's true. I've never heard you say that before. That's hysterical. <laughs> she did. She said, cannabis, 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 cannabis. This was in 2013. Yeah. Oh and so I think I'm a teacher and I'm like, why aren't people looking this stuff up? I did. So I just Googled it. And literally, I went down this rabbit hole of what it means to make a, a new moon to full moon tincture like our ancestors did and how the medicine brews and the alcohol and let the green leaves soak and try to tincture. Healed my pain, I got to say. Healed my mind, I got to say. It was the first wow. time I really experienced an edible high. Sublingual tinctures are everything. And then I tested positive. And so the story goes. Wow. I guess. I guess. I mean, this is going to, I keep saying this about the podcast. I mean, it's got to be normal pretty, I mean, this is moving so quickly. And the idea that people are getting beaten up and losing jobs because they're getting drug tested for cannabis just makes my head want to explode. So, oh my God. Well, also it's, it's, it's illegal to test a woman without her consent. So there's someone in the system who is checking boxes that they're not supposed to be checking. And that's when my advocacy, my fire woke up. Yeah. All right. So you, again, both of you have found healing through this plant medicine relief. I think that's my favorite word. Did you feel it was like a relief? I mean, just the pain went away. Like, how would you describe it? Ms. Kindness? How would you like describe the it experience? Was the, it was the first time for weeks that I had not felt pain and it was sustained relief for hours. I was also very, very intoxicated. I do need to say that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to pull back on the dosing. But the other option was for me to take these, these, level B safe narcotics for pregnancy. And that just was not going to happen. So prior to that, I was just suffering. As we all do. All right. So let's move on. <laughs> there's the, I mean, and, and again, with these, the story that you're sharing with Courage and Cannabis, I mean, there's more in the book. It's coming out. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But can we just go back to some, one of your other author? I know that you've already written other books, Ms. Kindness, because I actually have it. The, I just put it. The Root Family's Very Special Garden. Oh, it's backwards. I know it's backwards. (laughs) All right. Just tell me, I think this is so awesome. I talk about this all the time. We're just treating this. She's a plant. Just tell stories. Stories are very, very powerful. This is how they change the narrative to make it criminalized. This is how we're going to change the narrative back by sharing stories that are very strong and so rooted. So tell me about the book and what was the idea behind it? (laughs) It's inspired actually by my son, not my daughter, who was the one in the womb at the time. Um, Okay. But he is much like my husband. He likes to keep his hands in the dirt. And we, we grow weed. I mean, that's everybody should grow weed. Everybody mm-hmm. should have at least one experience of a cycle with growing this amazing plant. But we yep. do it next to everything else, fruit, tomatoes, marigold, all the things, the companion plants. And so I was literally sitting down one day with my son and, and I was just talking with him about all the challenges in this industry and how come people don't know and how unfair it is. And, and he was like, you should write a book. And I was like, yeah, everybody's written books. Like, how do you reach people that aren't being reached? And it just, boom, children's book. Oh my God. Like I could write this at a level that you could read it and you could share it with your friends. He's 13 now. This was a couple of years ago. And I could, mm-hmm. and I could really write something that's, that's fun and beautiful and colorful and non-offensive and not too in your face and, mm-hmm. and show diversity because we are a, a biracial family and, and, and show funness and make it true children's book style with a glossary in the back and explain some things away and cartoons you could do so much with cartoons Mm -hmm. that you that are not the same visually when you're looking at actual 3d humans and so it's been really successful because grandmas like it 
kids like it. It's easy to understand. We don't, there's no smoking in the book. It is truly about the life gardening. cycle of the plant. Yeah, gardening. Absolutely. I wonder if, that's interesting, the whole book banning thing, which makes me want to, my head explode too. Yeah. Uh, are there any places in the country that are like not letting cannabis books be given to children? I wonder if that's like the next We should probably look to Florida for that answer. <laughs> I just, if you want to do it first, go to Florida, man. All right. Uh, so if you're looking for a great book, just to sort of explain to your children or your grandchildren or your friends or your old friends who don't want to listen to you. I just think it's a, I'll put it in the show notes, but yeah, it's a fun little book to start talking about this plant and why she's so wonderful. All right. So Amy, I don't know if you've written any of the books, but I do know you're involved with policy work in Jaden's Law out there in Michigan, which is really, really important using our voices for activism and change and how powerful mother's voices are. So can you just talk a little bit about maybe what the, what it is exactly and what the impact's been out there in your community in Michigan? Yes. Jaden's Law is something that I've been working on for, it's going on five years, and it is to allow access to medical marijuana while the kiddos are at school. It would be, of course, a non-smokable form, and it would be handled just like a pharmaceutical. Currently in our state, in order to take my son medicine, I have to drive there, park a thousand foot away from the school, walk in there and sign him out. And then the class is interrupted and he comes to the office. And then I have to walk him a thousand foot back out to the car, rain, sleet, snow, whatever. And then I can hand him his capsule so that he can swallow it. And then I can actually drive onto the school property at that point and sign him back into the office. So, all right. But if you wanted to give him an opiate, they could just pop it in his mouth while you're... <laughs> Again, I don't think people outside of this understand how the amount of friction that there is being put up to make this as difficult as possible for something that is really healing. So, so that's your yes. experience. And so, so, okay, so move on. What happens next? Okay. <laughs> so, well, it, the reason that it's, I'm so passionate about this is not only because I've had to deal with it, but We've had this since 2008. We've had medical marijuana in our state. And we have had pediatric use since 2008. So we're in 2023. It's taken me five years to get this far. It's been introduced three times. And our lawmakers are just, uh, we're not able to push it through. And it really upsets me because it is for most vulnerable children, you know, and, and their families who are already struggling with things. So, so are you connected? I, cause I, I my sister-in-law is a school nurse. So we've had lots and lots of weird discussions about this plant medicine and what she can and cannot do. So do you find, do you find support in the nursing communities in these schools who are, again, they're kind of, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They are. Yes. Uh, but yeah. no, I do find support with nurses. Even police officers have showed support. We're currently working on some different strategic things to try to, when we do get it introduced this time, we want it to to get the hearing that it needs. The bad thing is, is politics, and it's got to go through the education committee. And depending on who runs our education committee, if they're anti-cannabis, or, and it shouldn't be that way because... And so we're we're trying to get awareness on it. We're trying to get stories out there so that people and the lawmakers understand really the how important this really is. And there's like ten other states that have laws that are allowing access. They are because so I mean, that, that we're is the, running that, behind. 
Yeah, that is the story I hear all the time is that they can't even get the CBD and they, you know, all these things that we would, we would like our children to have access to parents' rights. Parents would like their children to have access to, which are proven to be effective and they're putting up a lot of friction to keep it from them. It's very frustrating. So that's really yes. good work. So is that what inspired you to run for um, a political position? Yes, yes. And I do want to mention oh. uh, real quick, Ashley's law in Illinois. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I work very closely with her mother and they got Ashley's law passed in 2018. And so she's actually on the committee for Jaden's law. And okay. Illinois is helping Michigan to kind of get this push forward. So I did want to mention that. And I Politicians. ran for political. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, no, I, ran, for I, I ran for a school committee office out here in Massachusetts. I have a whole long story. I like had an 11 year old who was my campaign manager. It was real politics. I got involved with the Women Democratic Party out here. I was like, I love politics. So I love talking yeah. about this stuff, pot politics. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and religion. Um, I, and religion. We'll throw that in too. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do enjoy politics. And I, I ran because I started being in Lansing a lot in our state capital. And I was just like, there's so many things that need to be changed. And we need lawmakers that understand and that are passionate and that are going to be there for the right reasons. And <sighs> anyways, I came in second place. I'm really proud but, of but that. I, again, but... to, see, to see the political process up close is a really important part of our civic experience in this country. And I talk about, I've talked about cannabis bringing us together. It's like the Venn diagram. Everybody gets sick. Everybody can kill from it. The politicians who are opposed to it, I just still don't understand who they are being backed by because I meet the Trumpiest hemp farmers out in Arkansas who want this plant to be accessible and they want to be able to grow it and it's healing people. So I assume it's oil. I assume it's some other weird conspiracy that I don't really understand, but politicians are followers. That's just the truth of it. So enough people are coming up and saying this is something they need from whatever walk of life you come from, the sooner it is, this is going to be back into our system because people, we live in the anomaly in history. <laughs> has always been part of everything. It's been a very short time period and we need it back. So listen, politicians, you have some power. Listen to the people who are coming forward and saying it needs to change. <laughs> Jade is lost. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, all right. So let's get back to courage and cannabis. You know, we can both kind of like, you can both chime in if you want. Again, maybe I'm more passionate. Exactly. What are you finding out from being connected to, are you already in the industry or in the world? So you know a lot of these, but are you learning anything from the other stories you're hearing in this book? And what do you hope your narrative is going to have on the future of this? I don't even know, call it an industry, what, whatever, as it unfolds, how do you hope your voice adds value to this new world that we're building, trying to help people with cannabis and hemp? and and Amy, you can go first if you want. I hope that I give people hope oh, uh, nice. because there are a lot of people that tend to lose hope when things, the pharmaceuticals aren't working and the therapies and where do you go from there? And I never thought that my son would be where he is today. And he just impresses me on a daily basis. He actually, at 16 years old, he spoke at the Hash Bash which is in Ann Arbor. It's a, a big protest that we've had since the 70s. And he got up and spoke in front of 4,000 people. Wow. And I just never, and, and he didn't write anything. He did great. It's actually on my YouTube channel. And I, I just couldn't be prouder of him. And I 
I know it was because of me too and therapies. It wasn't just cannabis, but that was the tool. That was the missing thing that we needed. So I just hope that this book inspires people to think outside the box, to not wait and and, and try it, research it, look into it. it oh. It's It's been so great for us. And I, I want people to, to continue holding on to that hope. That's powerful. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what the Can of Mom stories are. That's, yeah, it, it touches a core thing in all, all of us. All right. Miss Kindness. We're, again, a lot of people even in this for a while. So just what do you think the future? What's this going to add value? How's your voice going to add value? What's the next step? Wow, that's such a profound question. Is my voice going to add value? <laughs> you are. You already are adding value. That is the truth Listen of it. Listen to so. the sound of my voice. <laughs> you will believe me. My ideas are your ideas. <laughs> yes. A little bit of NLP here. No, I, um, I do. I talk much like you, Joyce, because of this show. You get to hear so many stories. And because I work in education at Club Kindness, this is all we do. I mean, people call me. When they call me, it's because they want to learn more about how to use it, how to protect their child, how to expunge a record. I mean, they call me for all the things. We are an education firm. So if I don't know it, I'm going to find you somebody that can help you. I hope that I give people, that I make them feel safe, that I make them see that they can research this, that they can protect themselves, that they can change policy, that they can heal their bodies that they can grow this plant. I want I want them to feel safe. And when I say that, it means don't just go out there and do it because I said you can do it. It means know how. It means listen to shows like this. Read Courage and Cannabis. Understand people's stories. Know who your local representatives are. Get involved with the school district. Know, go to some of those boring school board meetings. And the pandemic has made it much easier because now you can watch them online. So you really don't have an excuse. I'm kind of tough like my dad. And so if you ask me, I will tell you. I'm going to give you that information. Now I need you to go and take it and do something with it. So I hope that I make people feel safe to act. And where do I see that value increasing? I'm hoping to just cultivate more little me's, right? Like I want my daughter to go out in the world and use her voice in this way. My son already does. He tries to at school sometimes. Sometimes he knows this is a private conversation. Let me take it home to my mom. Just having having, leaving something, leaving a legacy through my children's book and and the next one that's coming and encouraging cannabis and making people feel safe to stand up for what they believe in. If I can do it, anyone can do it. I love that. All right. Look, adding value just by speaking with these two women. I'm so excited. All right. Um, let's just go on a whole different topic. Family, you're can of moms, obviously. We also come from a family. You've mentioned that you have a police officer father. I don't actually know Amy's background, but so when this journey began, and I hear this a lot, there's always family members who are very skeptical, yet you kept going forward. Do you want to talk a little bit maybe about this kind of, maybe you could start with you, just like when you started this journey, what your family's reaction was, was it surprising? Were you hopeful? Did you have a fight with them? How did it actually work? And where are they now with you? This is a funny story. When I came out of the green closet, yeah, I mentioned I wasn't really like a serious consumer or thinking about it at all. And frankly... I come from a a big, giant Black family. My dad has eight brothers and sisters, most of whom are still living. Five generations get together on any Sunday or any holiday. It's about 80 people up in the house. Everybody knows everybody's business. It's a 35-person text message chain. So there's no hiding. And I knew I was going to come out publicly. I knew that I was going to talk about this and start Club Kindness and start teaching people and take to the internet. And I knew that all my aunties were going to see that. And they were going to have opinions. 
And so while none of them were paying my bills and I didn't really care, I did care about like respect and them just feeling honored and not being blindsided. So I called my dad. I said, dad, I'm gonna do this. I healed my body. I'm gonna come out as a businesswoman in the space. And if I go to jail, I'm gonna need you to come bail me out. And literally <laughs> it was a funny conversation. And he was like, uh, what do you mean if you go to jail? But then he said, you know, look, I know it's legal now. I mean, we're in California. So right. since 1996, we've been having this conversation at least in some circles. And so he wasn't unfamiliar. And at this point, he's retired from law enforcement. So he said to me, do it smart, do it the way you do everything. And I got your back. And I just felt a tear. That, that was all I needed. My mom already had my back because she's just that way. And I was healed. And so at that point, I was going to tell the world regardless. But yeah, it was tough. And sometimes still at, at family events where there's 80 of us, I will go outside to excuse myself to consume. And my aunts are like, oh, Kindness is taking care of her body. My cousin Andre will come with me and it's like, oh, there he goes again. So it's very interesting how, how they perceive it based on the individual consuming. And so that, that's another thing I hope to change, that, that stigma that like one is a stoner and one is not. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me. That, that, I mean, it is just still the same thing. Like I was just traveling with my family and we did stop at a dispensary. They went over and got their beers and I went to the dispensary. And But it's, it's still like when we went to events, like I didn't know it. I couldn't, I'm not really a drinker. I, I, it's interesting. I know it's still, yeah, it's still an evolving thing. That's good though. But so you're accepted. And what about your children? How do they feel about you? Are they not? Thinking oh, about my it? kids are like so involved. They're like, <laughs> they're there. <laughs> I have to tell them sometimes like, don't talk about that. Because I, I say like, I love what Amy said about her son taking to the stage. And having that confidence to advocate on behalf of her, this plant, my son would absolutely do the same. My daughter is just a little bit more shy in her personality, but he recently had a situation at school where the DEA, former DEA agents are teaching the drug education, which blows my mind. And they're spewing the same propaganda that we heard in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s until now. And he was, he's raised his hand a couple of times and said like, well, actually, you know, that story you're telling about the kid who jumped off the roof. He didn't jump off the roof. He fell off the roof because he was running from the cops for smoking weed. So these narratives, he will use his voice to reframe them. And I'm, and I'm super, super proud of them for that. I love that because I've been talking about that for years, like how this next generation, like my kids were growing up when I got into this, but this next generation of kids, they know the information. They know. They'd be like, what kind of strain is it? Is it like, what's the terpene profile? I don't think that's a good one for me to have more sports. I mean, they know. <laughs> They know. And he has a good nose. Like he'll smell something and he'll say, oh, mom, that's trash. And I'm like, you're right. It is. It's happening. It's happening before my eyes. All right. And uh, Amy, so I don't know. What, did, what was your family background? What did they think about this? Were they obviously they could see you struggling with your son? And what did, what happened in your family when this sort of transition happened? Well, my family was very supportive and I, I didn't get into too much, but in order to explain this, I, my son was actually in a residential center for over 300 days of his life. He, I've had ribs out of place, black eyes, holes in the walls. We had the police over 127 times in about five years. And I was doing everything I could to try to get him better, to, to get him that relief and so I was very public about my story and I, I shared a lot with, you know, my family and my supporters online. So it was kind of cool because everybody, I got pushed in that corner and I started him on medical marijuana with, for headaches and nausea in our state. And once 
I got his card for him, I realized how much it did help his autism. And so I was the parent petitioner to help get autism approved in our state. And everybody kind of watched our journey unfold. And so the response I got from that is a lot of acceptance in my community for cannabis. I got the school to write a letter to help push this through. His, His therapist did. His doctor, who is against medical marijuana because of the country he and his beliefs has seen the improvement and has agreed that he has improved. So it's been a very interesting journey in in that respect of I kind of opened that door so people could literally watch. Yeah. And and it's been successful. We just had a new segment that was done about three weeks ago and I cry every time I watch it. But it's been a long journey and I feel like just sharing our story has helped to influence people and everybody has been very supportive with my family and supporters and everyone in the community. So you didn't get any pushback. You just, you felt that's off. I mean, again, I, I don't know. I don't know how people are supposed to navigate this on their own without family support or medical support. Like, and again, these stories that they seem to be changing now that I talk to more women, I can hear that there is a world where people are actually getting support. So it's good to hear that people are stepping up and being like, okay, you aren't damaging your child and I'm not going to report you to children's services. <laughs> did, did anyone do that to you? Anyone try to report you? Yes. Or try to, yes. Oh, they did. Uh, right, yep. Take it back. They've came over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four times I've had CPS come over, but it's never turned into an investigation. I'm not doing anything wrong. And so, yeah, so it wasn't too bad. And the only kind of um, negative thing is when I ran for state rep, the the other politicians, I guess you'd say, the other group that didn't want me to get elected started calling me the cannabis queen. Hmm. And I was like, thank well, you. That, <laughs> <laughs> like, that is not negative. Like, I will take that. Say it again, please, louder for the people in the back. <laughs> and I will smile and wave. That's awesome. That's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's actually good to hear that people are, Again, uh, I have talked to women whose families have literally disowned them when they found out they were in cannabis. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like that's not a thing that's really happening. So maybe that's I just feel like it's the story that changes people's hearts and minds, because whatever we believe, we believe. Right. And someone said this to me the other day that ideas are like children. We all like our own the best. (laughs) I just but people again, we're parents. So we understand sort of that, like manipulate, not manipulation, that mm, that thing that we do to engage our children in a conversation so that they can come to their own reasoning, but use our input. <laughs> so this is what we're doing as moms and this idea that these stories that your people are witnessing are opening up a space for them to change what they believe. I just find that really impressive. And I think those are the strong connections that's really going to change the whole dynamic of this. I mean, again, eventually the politicians have to follow us, I think. 100%. I think too, like when women like Amy educated women who stand up and say, I'm doing this and here's why. And they give their reasons and they have their evidence to support their reasons for their choices. I teach college and it's like, look, you can actually be highly educated and be high too. So it's <laughs> showing that representation. It's just so important. So it becomes more normal. I think it's, I want to say something when Amy was talking, I was thinking about the importance of policy and how to be protected from CPS is so important because I've had mm-hmm. that experience myself. And And it can be very different for a black woman than it can for a white woman in America because of just the disparities that we know exist. But we have seen a lot of progress there. And we have over eight states now who have 
I will say, rescheduled cannabis to be that of the level of alcohol when it comes to intervening into homes. And so unless there's something else going on, it's no longer a reason for CPS to enter your home. Here in California, it goes into effect this January. So it's just important for parents to know that. And that includes workers. So unless you're in a federal job or construction industry of those sorts, they can't, employers can no longer, what it's called, cause, whatever. You you won't have to the cause. Yeah, yeah. Cannabis. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, all right, that's, that is progress. progress. <laughs> I don't, no, I was drug tested back in the day when I used to work, which I used to always try to avoid because I was, like so like humiliating like drug tests that's weird but on these weird on these federal jobs i just find it very it's invasive, so weird so. especially if like you're not do- if you're doing your job well like why are you bothering me yeah like i'm like and, and they and i had workers this is true i, I managed a staff and they would they had them drug tested and one of them was always high i knew that but he worked better so it was before i understood what cannabis really was but i'm like he's the best worker i have but like his drug tests they come back and they're off the charts so i always had to like plug for him but i'm like he functions. I don't even understand mm. why you're testing him. But if someone claims that they, sometimes people say you took my opiates or whatever, send them out and get tested right away. Yep. I don't know. There's a place for everything, but not for jobs. So that's if I ran the world, there wouldn't be drug testing unless you needed it for something else. All right. Let's come back to you. All right. So you've both been in this for a while. I call it like dog years. Cannabis years are like dog years. So you've been here like literally forever. Um, <laughs> you've seen a lot of things change, policy, ideas positions. I don't know. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk with miskindness. So you're out there in California, that idea, the policy with the drug testing, that's awesome. What do you see coming down the line? And again, all of us are using our voice to create a better future. What do you see people doing that you think is really amazing out there that you want to support? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about this new bill. When I was watching that measure when it came up and I, we knew Newsom was going to sign it. So that in itself is really exciting. I think it's forward thinking to add to the bill protecting parents also protecting workers. And so workers are my meat and potatoes. That's what we do at Club Kindness. We train the workforce. We dispensary associate training tracks and allied healthcare worker training tracks. So for me, it's about making sure people are informed about how to better serve consumers, whether it be parent caretakers or individuals who are using it for their own healing. And for and because of that, I recently joined UCLA. So I'm now working with the UCLA Labor Center on this mm. cannabis worker research study. So we are actually surveying thousands of workers throughout the state of California. Their delivery and cultivation right now are the tracks that we're working with. It's a very comprehensive ethical survey that is truly capturing their experiences of workers. Are they being trained? How are they being treated? How are they being paid? What does leadership look like? We've not done this anywhere. It's the first of its kind, and we're going all through California. So the data, the raw data that we are going to get from this study will tell us what we need to do to protect workers going forward, what new policies we need to be advocating for. I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm actually a surveyor and a researcher. So I'm facilitating the surveys, hearing the answers. And then once we have all the data, we'll get to use it to do some real organizing and advocacy work. Anybody right now who works in the state of California in cannabis can take this survey. You can reach out to me. And we also give you a $40 e-gift card for participating. So, yeah, it's backed with some grant money at UCLA. But it's just really exciting work, and I think it's the future. We need to hear the workers. We That's need awesome. to train our workforce to legitimize this industry. And the consumer, again, this should be a consumer-driven industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, that's a very exciting. Data, data, numbers. This isn't a belief system. This is science. This is data. This is like we're professionalizing, I guess, and setting up. If we don't set it up right the first time, we're going to have to go back and fix it. So 
that's really good that this is the kind of import you're doing. And and uh, Amy, what are you doing out there? What are you thinking of Michigan? I know you did some political work, policy work. What do you think is coming up for the future that you're really excited about? Oh, well, let's see. I guess there's a lot going on in Michigan in, in politics. We just had uh, a big thing where the lawmakers accepted money and the ones that were giving out licenses for these corporate locations to come in. And so these lawmakers are, are now getting in trouble for that. The FBI is involved and it's a big thing in Michigan. Okay. So we, the Michigan Can Democratic Cannabis Caucus, I am the secretary on that. So we are continuing to work on efforts to I guess stand up for the people of Michigan. And the way, the reason I say that is we have voter initiative laws here. So we, as a state, uh, put in our 2008 Michigan Medical Marijuana Act in place because we got it on the ballot and we voted it in place. Okay. We did the same thing in 2018 with our recreational laws. And with that said, since 1963, there has only been 13 times that we have made it onto a ballot, we the people of Michigan. Only eight times out of that 13 have we succeeded in passing a law. So those eight laws since 1963 are very precious laws. And what we're seeing is corporate coming in with their big money and trying to change it for corporate greed, basically. And in the people of Michigan, that's not what we voted for in 2008. We voted for healing and we voted for opportunity. It's not what we voted for in 2018. So I am working with the Michigan Weedsters, which is just a collective group of people that advocate for said things. And so I don't know, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. But I, I definitely know that the people of Michigan are not going to give up this fight easily. I, I mean, I kind of think it's interesting because it's so state specific and to see what's happening in the different states. I mean, California is a whole different ball of wax in Michigan and who is coming in and is big business going to take this over or is it going to be really consumer driven within the, each state? And then what's going to happen with interstate commerce? There's a lot of decisions that are being made and who's whispering in the eyes of the policymakers is really, really important. So I'm so happy you're both out there doing the work. It's not just me and my daughter's bedroom talking to a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some last words of wisdom. We're really excited for the book to come out. Do you have like a little plug? Do you have some dates? Do you have any other things you're going to be doing to sort of promote it? Let's start with Amy out there. In uh, as far as I know, I think it's going to be coming out, I want to say in the next month, I think. Okay, in... that's what I heard. Yep. The month of June. And uh, we're going to be doing a big push like at the beginning of it to try to get that seller. And then we're going to be doing book signings for the rest of the summer and different events to promote it from there. And I'm I'm really excited for it to come out. I, I think it's going to be a, a fun experience. It has been so far. So I think, it, I mean, I did it. it was a great community and I met lots of different people and I got to read different stories and I did do events. So it's just a great little thing to sort of, and it's to promote these stories that people need to hear. And they're very accessible, the story. So, and Ms. Kindness, what's for you, what's coming up for the excitement? When is it being released and what kind of things are you doing to promote it? Yeah, Amy's right. I think we, we go to publishing like next week or something. And so okay. it'll be out in about a month. Um, I'm here in California, so I'll be on the same circuit on the West side. Okay. Um, I actually have my own book that is going to be touring this summer and we're going Ooh. to some dispensaries. 
for some signings. And so I'm going to see if we can do kind of a little co-collab and have both books there, because how awesome would that be? Something for the kids, something for the parents. They should have a whole shelf. There should be like a whole shelf of just the cannabis books. I know that this is kind of off topic. I was watching the Judy Bloom documentary and she has a bookstore in Key West, Florida. Yes, yes. And she sells banned books. books. She's amazing. Yes. But she, the whole front <laughs> section with all cannabis books. Yes. And she said it's yes. a very popular section. So that's the only reason I plan to travel to Florida in the near future to see her bookstore. <laughs> fly in, fly out, <laughs> drop it off. I think that's great to Key do. West and out of there. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So you're both so wonderful. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Amy, if people want to connect with you, reach out to you, find you, what's the best way to find you? I would say the easiest way to find me is the Courage and Cannabis uh, website because all my links are on there for my YouTube channel, my Facebook and my email and all that good stuff. So I would say go to the Courage and Cannabis website. Awesome. And Ms. Kindness? My dad named me Ms. Kindness. And so I'm really easy to find. If you okay. just type in Ms. <laughs> Kindness, you're going to go to probably MsKindness.com, but I can't hide. I can't hide. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. That was a good welcome back to my show. So that's another show, people. So for my guests, Amy Carter and Ms. Kindness, authors in the upcoming anthology, Courage and Cannabis 2, and of course, my Cannabro, David Jazz, and our Cannamom show team, I do want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cannamom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is The Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.